We'll start in verse 6. And when you pray, go into your room. And when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret place. And your Father who is in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. One, two, three. Four times in those verses, Jesus refers to our Father. And that's what I want to talk to you about briefly in the time that we have. You and I are so used to hearing that expression and that name that it's kind of common to us. But you don't understand to the Jews, they didn't talk about him that way. There are a number of verses where it does refer to him. It's in Malachi chapter 2, Isaiah, and several places where God is referred to as a father, but he's, he's always referred to as the father either of Israel or the father of, of Ephraim, and it was mostly in the context as creator. But Jesus is not referring to here as a father collectively, but as a father to us individually. He's bringing God from the creator down to a place where God could be your individual father. And that's what I want to talk about in this time we have this morning. What that means. The incredible thought that the creator of the universe, the author of all life, could be my personal father. So let's talk about what that means. What does it mean? What is fatherhood about? What's it all about? What's, it, what's the purpose of it? Well, from our father, this is God's design for fatherhood. From our father, we are good, God's plan is that we receive certain things. The first thing that we are to receive is our identity. Just in name alone. My legal name is John L. Pfeffer, Jr., which tells you that I was named after my father, John L. Pfeffer, Sr. So I literally got my name from him. You get your last name from your father, and names are a form of our identity. One of the things that the communist nations did when they would bring people into captivity, and one of the things they did in the concentration camps of World War II is to take your identity away from you. They took your name away from you and give you numbers. Even in prison, to help you recognize that things are different there, they give you a number to take away your identity because your identity comes from your name, first of all. It also comes from your looks. I'm finding that the older I get, the gentleman that looks back in the mirror at me is looking more and more like my father. Now, that shouldn't be shocking. It should be shocking if it doesn't look like my father. <clears throat> but, but, it's, but, but I'm... So even my own looks, as I get older, I find out that some of the expressions I use and even some of the habits I've developed. My father had a, had a collection of watches like you couldn't believe. When he died, I saw, you know, boxes of, and most of them were just, you know, cheap watches. And I'm finding, as much as I used to kind of laugh at that under my breath, I find, on vacation, I went looking at watches. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm becoming like my father. 
But that's not an astounding thing. So our sense of identity, we all need to have a sense of who am I? Who am I? What, what am I? Where do I come from? What is my heritage? What is my meaning in life? And God's plan is that comes from your father and, and your mother. Well, what else do we get from our father? We not only get our identity, we get a sense of our value and of our acceptance. Three things, and there are more, but three of the basic things that every person needs in order to grow up and to be healthy and to be mature and to be productive. They need to have an identity, they need to have a sense of value, and they need to have a sense of acceptance. Again, those are three things that nations that are oppressive and governments that are oppressive will take away from you. Sense of value, a sense of identity, and a sense of, of acceptance. And God's plan is that we are to get that from our parents, but especially from our mothers or nurturers. But fathers give you that sense of who you are, that sense of identity, that sense of approval, and especially to men, that sense of who you are, of identity, <laughs> approval, and acceptance. And there are other things that we're to get from our father. We're also to get a vision of the world and what the world is like because a child born into this world has no clue what they've been born into. They have no idea how systems work, what the world is like out there. And from our parents and especially from our father, we are to learn what the world is like there, a worldview. We are to learn, for instance, the most important thing in a worldview is, or basically, what, how do things operate in the world is who's the boss? Is there a boss? Do I have to answer to anybody? So God's plan is that by a child growing up in a family, they learn that there is an authority in that family. And God gives to men a voice that's designed to communicate that authority, but in a loving way. So a father is to communicate, first of all, that there is an authority that you, have to, to, you are responsible to. And God's plan is that eventually, as they're raised in a Christian family, this is God's ideal, that when they go out into the world, that they recognize that although as they've had a human father that they loved and respected and obeyed, they are now turned over to a heavenly father whom they're to allow and love. See, the human father is to be the preparation for their relationship with their heavenly father. Also, a father is part of this worldview is to teach them that there are boundaries. You can't do everything you want to do because the world out there has boundaries. There are boundaries whether our society has them anymore. The plan that God has instituted does. So you want to go out and live in sin all you want. The government may not laugh at you, but there are consequences to your actions. So there are boundaries. We're not just free to do what we have to, want to do. And so a father, a loving father, God's design is a father establishes in this child's mind early on that there are boundaries. I discovered, realized as I began to learn how to parent. And I had to learn how to parent because I wasn't taught how to parent. And, and as I began to learn how to parent, I realized what is the end goal. The end goal is to raise up children who can be released from the home, be productive members of society, be mature, be strong, and have a strong relationship with God and fulfill God's call for their life. That's God's design. So I had to teach them the very first things they've got to learn is that they've got to, is they've got to do what Dad says. They don't have to understand why. They just do it. Because once they've learned obedience, then they can understand the reasons behind it. But the first lesson is you do it because I say so. And that's the first lesson we've got to do with God because He says so. 
So again, we don't have the time to go into it and draw this out, but those are basic things that God has ordained for a father to be and to impart to his children. And wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us came to Christ having had that background? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That was God's plan. But we know from our study of the Bible that it only took one chapter after God's creation for Satan to get in and to throw everything off kilter. So many of us have not been raised with that kind of foundation in our lives. And some of us that have been raised with that kind of foundation, it wasn't, no, none of our fathers were perfect. So we come to Christ. We come into the kingdom of God with all of that background and now we come to face our God as our Father. Understand that whatever, whatever you knew of a father before is what you bring into your relationship with God. And that is why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have the responsibility to get into the Word of God and get into time with God as our Father and begin to renew our mind to what He is like as a Father. And I had to do that. I had a father that loved me, but if I look back on how he, he was raised and his father, and all the way back I understood why my father was not able to be all those things for me and to impart those things into my life. And there was a period of time in my life as a Christian when I used that background as an excuse for not growing. Well, you understand the way I was raised. You understand what it was done to me as a child. And, and one day it dawned on me, I was... Those excuses were keeping God from working in my life. Because although my father had not been all those things to me, I had an opportunity now to have a heavenly father who could be those things to me and wanted to be those things to me. But as long as I used my history and my background as an excuse, I was blocking him. Any excuse keeps God from working in your life. When you feel sorry for yourself... When you're holding on to excuses, those are blocks that keep God, because God can only work in your life when you, where you acknowledge you need Him to. And, 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 a, and an excuse and, and feeling sorry for ourselves are substitutes for allowing God. They're saying, I want to stay where I am. Feeling sorry for myself says, what I want is to stay where I am. Excuses is saying, I want to stay where I am, and I'm telling you why it's okay to stay where I am. But because God is my Father, I don't have to stay where I am. And He won't leave me alone because He loves me. And He will persist with me until I let go of those excuses and the self-pity and allow Him to begin to work in my life because God is at work in us both to will and to do His good pleasure. So let me just quickly give you some scriptures to show you how as you renew your mind, and that's your job, is to renew your mind, to get into this word. Because I remember going to God and saying, well, God, you know, I, I, I was raised in a family where I didn't know how to love. I didn't know how to receive love. And instead of God putting his arm around me, he said, oh, son, I'm so sorry. I understand how you were raised. I'm really sorry. You know what he said to me? He says, but you can find out. Because I gave you a book that tells you what I'm like and tells you that I love you. It's up to you to get in here and begin to renew your mind and begin to change your thinking about what I'm like. So I just want to give you some scriptures that you can use to begin to meditate on what it means that God is your personal 
Father. John chapter 1, verse 10. I'm just going to go through some of these quickly. Talking about Jesus, he was in the world, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many received him, to them he gave the right, or the ability to become children of God. So when you came to Christ, he gave you the right to become a child of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of flesh, that's how your body came here. It was born of the will of your parents' flesh. Nor of the will of man, but you were born of. That literally means out of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. have to get your fingers working quickly this morning. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my, Paul writing, to this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven on earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may come to comprehend or understand with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. God wants you to know the fullness of his love towards you. Romans chapter 8. His identity. That you are his child. These are verses that we're really going to read now that I meditate to the point that I, they became ingrained in my mind that I know them by heart. Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Well, let's, no, let's go back up to verse uh, 15. Yeah. Many are led by the Spirit, of, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs of God. That means you inherit something. Joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be glorified with him. Now go over to verse 29, so we can shorten this. For whom he foreknew, and he foreknew you, he predestined, that means just means he planned ahead, that you be conformed to the image of his Son. In other words, before the foundation of this earth, God knew you personally. Psalm 139 said he watched you being formed in your mother's womb. And he had a plan for you. And this is his plan for you. His plan for you was that you would be conformed to the image of his son. So that his son might be the firstborn of many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he called, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he also glorified. Are you in Christ this morning? Yes. Then it's because you were called. The Bible says none of us chose him. He chose you. But he didn't just, just choose you to keep you from going to hell. That'd be wonderful. But his plan for you was infinitely more 
than keeping you from going to hell. Jesus on that cross bore your sins and he bore them so that he could pay for the price of your sins. And the, but the reason he did that is so that he could then turn and give you his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 But he gave you his righteousness not so he could just look back and say, wow, don't you look righteous. He gave you his righteousness so that you could be qualified to become his son or his daughter. Because the son or daughter of God has to be as righteous as he is. Now, I'm not saying you're living that all out yet. But God gave you the righteousness of his own son, having paid for your sins so that he could legally make you his child. That's why Romans 8 goes on to say, God's for us. Who can possibly be against us? If God would go that far to have me as his son, whether my parents wanted me or not, God wanted me so much that he sent his only begotten son to take my filthy rags upon himself. Why? So he could give me his clean garment of sonship. That now I could legally be qualified to be his own child. So my identity now comes from him. My value comes from him. It doesn't come from being a pastor. It doesn't come from anything I've ever done. My identity comes from I am a child of the living God. That's who I am. My value comes from him. Whether you all like me or not, whether anybody ever likes me or not, my heavenly father loves me. My identity, my value, my acceptance. So you cannot grow unless you are in an atmosphere of acceptance. Where you know, that's what the connect groups are. Unless you know that the people that you're with, the family that you're in, accepts you right where you are. You don't have to change to be accepted. You're accepted right where you are. And we come to Christ. We come to God just as we... He accepts you where you are today. He accepts you there. He won't leave you there. But you don't have to grow in order for Him to accept you. You have to receive His acceptance in order for you to grow. I'll close with these verses. There's a number of others that I would have gotten to, but let me close with these verses. He, by the way, he, accepts, he establishes boundaries. Hebrews 12, 5, you'll see them in there. It's interesting. Jesus, he was his father too. And, and, and look at the boundaries in Jesus' life. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. And I only say what I hear my heavenly father say. In other words, my boundaries are only his will. If it's not his will, I don't do it. Amen. So Jesus lived within boundaries. And God has established our boundaries for us also. But turn with me to Ephesians 1 and we'll end with this. 
By the way, and just write this down, Matthew 6, 26 through 30, you'll see that our, our Father knows what you need before you pray. And if he clothes the lilies of the field, and if he feeds the birds of the air, how much more will your heavenly Father not take care of you? So he'll take care of you. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us. Say, he chose me. He chose you in him before the foundation of the world. What? To be saved? Yes. But to be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined or planned us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed for in him self. I would encourage you to take those first actually 10 verses in there and meditate those every day. Just try that for a week. Just read them out loud to yourself slowly and allow it to sink in how your heavenly Father sees you.